Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Reverence for the reading of God's word. When he entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no room, and even in the doorway, and he was speaking the message to them. <clears throat> then they came to him, bringing a paralytic carried by four men. Since they were not able to bring him into Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above where he was. And when they had broken through, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Then we skip down to 11. He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, pick up your mat, and go home. Immediately he got up, picked up the mat, and went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Father, thank you for this precious gift, this privilege we have this morning to worship you, to read your word, God, to proclaim the truth of your word. Father, I pray this morning, Lord, as your word goes forth, Lord, we know it will accomplish what it was sent to accomplish. Father, I pray if there's one here today that's struggling, hurting, one that does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray today that they would come to know you as Lord and Savior, confess their sin, place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and experience the life that you created them to live. Father, I pray, Lord, that in all things this morning, you would be preeminent, first, foremost, God. And we thank you so much for the gift of life in Jesus Christ and the hope that the Advent season brings us. God, I pray as we reflect on these things over the next 30 days, that we will be in awe, Father, of the gift, the grace that we have been saved through faith, not of works. We commit all this to you, and we ask it in Jesus Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's <clears throat> the verse 3 again. They came to him, bringing a paralytic carried by four men. This is where the real heart of the message is. If you've ever known somebody who is a paralytic, you can have a paraplegic, which means there are two limbs that are inoperable, or you can have a quadriplegic, someone who, all four. I would assume from this, being on a mat like that, that he would have been a quad, a quadriplegic. Doesn't matter either way. That is a very hopeless situation. I've taken care of a lot of them. I remember 30 years ago, I took care of one in Nashville, and even then, he was hopeful that there would be a treatment, there would be something that could help him regain his movement. Now, he was injured in Vietnam uh, in an accident, so he had been dealing with that. This was in 1992, I think, or yeah, 1992, so it had been a long time after that, but in my mind, I knew the likelihood of that happening apart from a miracle was going to be next to nothing. But I remember hearing him have that hope and how important that hope was for him as a person who could not do anything for himself, hence why he had nurses 
and uh, CNA is taking care of him every day. But I want to share with you first thing I want to give you this morning out of that verse there is this. Before Jesus Christ's birth, there was no hope. The man in the story was hopeless. He had no ability to do anything for himself, relying on everyone to do everything. Now I want to ask you this morning, how many of you have had a knee surgery, a back surgery? How many people in here have had a neck surgery? How many people have had a surgery where you are reliant on everyone to do everything for you? How's that feel? Hmm? Guys especially? How is it when you sit inside your house and watch your wife mow the lawn? Especially if she's not one that likes to do that. Some women would be like, I'll do this the rest of my life. But there is honestly nothing more hopeless in that feeling of not being able to do anything for yourself and relying on other people. Now, sadly, guys, a lot of that stems from a big, it's a letter that starts with P, real big P, ride, pride, right? We don't want anybody to have to do anything for us because we're tough, right? We, we take care of business. See, this guy doesn't say anything about his family bringing him, does it? What does it appear from the, what we see in this right here? He's brought by friends, people that cared about him. But he was hopeless at this point that there was any healing. You might have had people back then that talked about healing, but there was, when you had a condition that left you without the ability to move, when you had this condition back then of leprosy, remember what would happen to them? They were literally outcasts. They would have to live cloistered away from each other. They, had, they were hopeless. When you look at that and then parallel that at the time in history before Jesus came, mankind is hopeless. Because what we realize is the Jewish people were God's chosen people and they had this law that was saddled on them that was impossible. The animal sacrifices, I was actually even reflecting this morning once again, could you imagine as we did our answers in Genesis, uh, our little uh, devotion we do with the children in the mornings, we do the Proverbs at night, but we do the answers in Genesis in, in the mornings. Thinking about what it said this morning was, with all these sacrifices, could you imagine now if we still were under the law? Can you, you, can you think there's pollution now? Could you imagine if the sacrificial offerings worldwide were given every day? You want to talk about smog? But it was a very hopeless time in history as each one of these incremental things that God would give that were pointing, and we looked at one a couple of weeks ago, the first sacrifice that we see in Scripture when God made the, the clothing, the animal skins that clothed Adam and Eve after the original sin that occurred in the Garden of Eden and separated all of us from being able to dwell in God's presence. There was hopelessness. And as we reflect this week, next week, the following week, and then we culminate in the week of Christmas week, this morning, what is Jesus to you? 
What is he? What does it mean to you? What is the advent? Is Christmas nothing more than a time that you spend more money than you should spend and then think about digging yourself out? I read a thing yesterday talking about the spending that people did at Christmas. There's whatever percentage of people were, had not even paid off what they put on credit cards and in debt last year. You want to talk about breeding a feeling of hopelessness? Think about people that now go into the Christmas season and, you know, you get in the moment, right? You get excited and you go out to, to whether you're Black Friday sales or you go to Opry Mills and, right, they've got the music and they've got the ambiance, right? You've got the Christmas greenery and you go down Main Street and you see the little Christmas decorations and the lights and you go out there at, at, at the evening and it's so beautiful and your houses are lit up and everybody's excited. What, all, what happens a lot of times? This time of hope so often leads people to spend money they don't have and bring them to an even greater level of hopelessness. That's not what God sent Jesus to do, by the way. He sent Jesus to pay a debt for us that we could never pay. These four men, as we see now, carrying this paralytic to Jesus, they realized this was the only hope for their friend. Kind of neat to see that he had four friends that cared enough. Not only did they care enough, Matter of fact, I think they really must have loved this friend because look at the lengths with which they go to get their friend to the place where there was the hope of healing. I don't know about you, but I don't believe if somebody's at your house and you needed something, I'm going on top of their roof and tearing their roof apart to get you inside. That right me looks like you getting on the, um, uh, what is that little site? with your mugshot on it. That looks like a trip to Bedford County Jail for destruction of property. These people were not worried about that. They realized that this was the only hope that their friend had. And that is the same picture as God led me to the scripture this morning of what we were spiritually at that time in history. Jesus Christ was the only hope. The coming Messiah was the only hope for all mankind. And not only that, the rejection of Jesus Christ as the Messiah among the Jewish people opened up the gateway for us as Gentiles. That is even, to me, what an incredible aspect and in, in a, in a, God, thank you. Can you ever thought about that? You ever thought about being thankful that the Jewish people rejected Jesus? Anybody? I think about that because had they not done that, we would be in big trouble right now. The stone that the builders rejected had become the capstone. Jesus Christ was rejected by the Jewish people and therefore the door was opened up to us as Gentiles. What a beautiful picture right there. God didn't hold back his only begotten son to redeem us and save us. This love that God has for his creation to me leaves me in awe every time I think about it. When you think about the immensity of God, we're talking about that in Sunday school today, and, and you think about the solar system, and you think about Antares and Octurius and the size of our sun and, and our planet in comparison, we're so small. The earth is so small, and we are so small. Who are you, O oh God, that you are mindful of us? Isn't that incredible? God knows when the hairs are shaved off the top of your head. He knew all of them. 
He knows every time a hair falls off our heads. But he knows about every follower of Christ all over the world. How can that be? That shows me the infinite of God and what and who he is. There is no limit to God's understanding. So when you and I think that when we pray, we're telling God something he doesn't already know, <laughs> you got another thing coming. God is a God that knows everything. He's all-knowing. Well, then why do we pray? Because God is relationally wants to hear from us. And as we're able to boldly go into his presence, this morning when you woke up and you started praying, why were you able to do that? Because Jesus came. He came to give you the hope, not only the hope of placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but also he became the eternal high priest. So instead of having a priest and these sacrifices we just mentioned a second ago and having to go over and over, could you imagine the bloodletting in just a town the size of Bedford County here? Think of the thousands and thousands. No. He became the eternal high priest. He made the ultimate sacrifice, the atonement for our sin. He became the sacrificial lamb of God. This morning, we were able to go boldly in his presence as you this morning woke up and talked to him. You were able to go directly into the presence of God because of what we're focusing on this month, because of what Jesus Christ meant to us. Do you realize that one day when we die and we stand in God's presence, the Bema seat, I hope, amen? Not at the great white throne of judgment. That is why I hope you're passionate about sharing Christ with others because the realization of the magnitude of what the great white throne of judgment means, you realize you and I hold the keys to life. Not only for ourselves as Christians, but the gift of being able to extend the gospel message where we are. That's the call of a disciple. Go ye therefore and make disciples, teaching them everything I've commanded you, right? That's the great commission. What is our obligation as believers? Well, we have to care enough about the people that God puts us on any given day to rub elbows with, to be in their presence, to share the good news. What is the good news? The birth of Christ culminating in the death of Christ. And that, by the way, does not mean death. That means life. Because of Jesus Christ's death, we have life. He conquered hell and death. Three days later, rose from the grave. This morning, that is indicative, a picture of life. Not only the life that Jesus Christ was able to conquer death, he is life to us this morning. He's life as a follower of Jesus Christ. He is life to us today because the infinites, by the way, I shared that in the Sunday school today, when you think about the, the power, the magnitude, and the overwhelming awe of God, in Psalm 23, near the end, it says what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Woe. That is speaking individually, and I said this morning, there are people right now dying all over the globe right now at the same time. God can be uniquely and singularly with each one of them at the same time in singular form. Man, that's power.
Amen? If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what else to tell you. But it should, because that is great hope. And that only happened because of what Jesus Christ is, who he is, and what he did for us. That is why I get excited about Advent and every other day for that matter. I get excited because we have a living hope. A hope that will not disappoint us. We have the hope that right now in this story, if you go back to this point, these people are, they've got some kind of hope. They don't know for sure what's going to happen, but they have enough hope that they care enough for their friend to bring him and lower him down in front of Jesus. Hmm. Listen to verses five, uh, 11 through 12 again. Seeing their faith, Jesus tells the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I tell you, get up, pick up your mat, go home. Immediately he got up, picked up his mat, went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Number two I want to share with you this morning, there are no limits to God's love and desire to bring hope to the lost and broken this morning. There's no limits this morning to the love of God and his desire this morning to bring hope to the hopeless. Are you struggling? Hey, that's okay. By the way, I want you to understand, if you're here this morning and you're struggling, that's okay. Scripture says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Don't come in here and pretend if you're struggling. Get some brothers and sisters around you. Get an accountability and walk in transparency and get victory. We're going to be studying this next year. I shared it, uh, I don't know when it was. Maybe it was last Sunday morning, night. What, what, it might have been Sunday night. God's really led me that we don't really understand sometimes that as a follower of Christ, we are given the full inheritance as a, as a believer, as a Christian. The full inheritance is the love, the joy, the peace. God's given all of it to us as believers. The problem is, sometimes the key we allow to be taken away from us. How? Well, selfish, sin, unconfessed, bitterness and anger and resentment. Then we stand around and look at somebody who's living for the Lord and go, why are they walking like that? And I don't get it. I don't have any joy. I don't have any peace. I don't know what my problem is. What's the issue? Well, I'll tell you what happens. The sin has allowed the key to be temporarily out of our reach and only it can only be in reach when obedience and submission to God's desire, purpose, plan, and will in our life is the order of the day. So when you and I get upset because somebody else is walking in the fullness of Christ, the only person you have to get upset about is get in the mirror, look at them, and say, you have prevented me from walking in the fullness of Christ. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You just rebuked yourself. Because we are the ones that allow these things that have no place in our life to take precedence in our life instead of the finished work of salvation in Jesus Christ, walking in the fullness of Christ. I don't care what somebody said to you. I don't care what somebody said about you. That doesn't define who you are, but you allow it to because the enemy has capitalized on maybe the fact that you haven't been in the Bible, you haven't been in faithful fellowship, you're self-centered, you're self-focused, and you're mad at everybody else for it. That's like getting mad 
at your spouse or somebody else when you didn't pay your taxes and the IRS gonna come and seize everything you have. Well, I was a sovereign citizen. I told him that. You can tell him that all day long. What is reality? Something quite different. The only person you can get mad at is yourself. Oh, you got pulled over doing 80 and a 55 and you're mad at the policeman? Get out of my face. If I get a ticket, I can thank myself. Amen? You know what it's called? Personal responsibility. And it's something that's in short supply these days. I'm mad at Walmart for making the clothes that I've been wearing that make people look at me. Please stop it. Where else do I do it? Modesty in motion and a whole lot of other places. And if you want my Amish friend's number, I'll give you their... They don't have a number. Hey, you have to drive out there. I'll give you their address. But you have to make a choice to make choices that you will get the outflow of the choices that you're making. And if not, you'll get default. What's default? Not showing up at work and expecting to get paid. It's not going to happen, is it? Not walking in the abundant and the fullness of Christ and expecting a spiritual reward or an outflow of the Spirit's work and you've done nothing in investing in getting in the Word, staying in the Word, and growing in the Word and in the fullness of Christ. Oh, but you think the pastor, your, your Sunday school teacher, your husband, your wife, well, they didn't do I don't know why, man. They just haven't been doing their job. No, you haven't been doing your job. We have an obligation to invest in the kingdom, to invest in the kingdom work. What is that? It's getting up every morning and getting in God's presence and just like uh, experiencing God we're going through right now. Finding out how to hear from God. How is that done? By getting in his word, by seeking his face. What do you do? Delight yourself in him. He'll give you the desire of your heart. If you seek me with all your heart, I, what? Will be found. Do you want a greater, deeper, more intimate walk with the Father? It doesn't happen by sitting around and wishing it into being. You have to invest. The same way that maybe you find a school that you can do that, you show up, well, I guess the high school and junior high these days you can. I've heard, sadly, that there are kids graduating from high school that are completely illiterate. How in the world they successfully graduate, I have no idea. But by the way, go to a secondary school and you'll find out that that don't happen. You go to a college, they're not gonna just walk you to the door. They're going to throw the material at you, but what do you have to do? You have to invest. You have to study. You have to learn. Spiritually, it's the same principle. You want to grow in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? Do you want to grow in your walk with Christ? It, it happens when you get in the presence of God and you are desperate for Him. How many people this morning in here are desperate for the Lord? Well, I'm going to keep praying, see if that number goes up next week number of you are. Now, how many people are desperate for the Lord this morning? Praise God. That's what I'm talking I hope you're desperate for Him. Because I got another statement. If you're not desperate for Him and you're desiring to stand at the Bema seat and <laughs> spend an eternity with Him, if you're not desperate for Him, I don't know what, I don't know what you got because there no, there's no C. You've got A and B. A is heaven, B is hell, separated from God. There is no, there's no purgatory. There's no, I just want to hit pause and pause. No, there's no. You've got A or you have B. Are you desiring to be in God's presence? Well, I'd encourage you to do something. Start living like you are now. Start living like the hope of God is real to you. Desiring 
to get in the training ground now to prepare for eternal state of worship, which is what heaven's going to be. It's an eternal state of worship. Oh, can't wait to go to heaven, man. I'm going to eat like I've never eaten. That's what you're thinking about? Why don't you read Revelation chapter 5 around the throne of worship and why don't you get focused on what really is going to matter because we're there to worship. I can't wait to hear the singing. I'm serious. I can't wait to hear the singing. There's no, no one's going to be off key. No one's going to fail to show up. It is going to be perfect. I can't wait. And all of the glory is going to be unto him. Because all of the focus around God's throne is going to be him. I can't imagine. But I'm excited, and what I'm doing now is living in preparation for that. I, matter of fact, this morning when I got here, I put my little iPods in my ear, and I played uh, Keith Green, This is the Day. This is the day, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice. It's a rendition he did. Man, I just love it. It reminds me of when I was a child and had devotions with our family. My dad would get out his ukulele and we'd sing before we went to school in the morning. And I, and I honestly imagine the videos of that. If somebody looked at it, would go, I would never look like that. You're like a complete and utter idiot. My dad didn't care about that. My dad didn't care what anybody would think because my dad was this big old guy playing this little ukulele that big. You know what he cared about? He cared about doing what the Bible said. Train up a child in the way he should go when they're old, they won't depart from it. He did devotions with us in the morning. My dad had a gift to plan, and he would play, and we'd sing these little... But you know what? When I was hearing Keith Green this morning sing This Is A Day, it brought me back and reminded me of singing as a child. But what it was is glorifying and exalting the Lord. See, the hope of Christ is the hope that there is someone to glorify. There's a hope that one day we do have an eternal home and a place in God's presence where we're going to be able to worship him in perfection, no longer stained by the sin and all of those things that entangle us now. So thankful that we're not going to have another paralyzed person. We're not going to have another person with MS. We're not going to have another person with Parkinson's disease. We're not going to have anybody else that's dying of a horrific, cancerous death because of this disease in their body that's destroying them, but they're suffering under the effects of what happened so long ago in the Garden of Eden. I'm so thankful Scripture says that the old order will have passed away. I love when Scripture says that he'll wipe away every tear from our eye. That's, an, that's encouraging to me. That's exciting to me. I'm looking forward to that day as Scripture, well, what a day it will be when my Jesus I shall see. Look into his face, the one that saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand, leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. What is Advent to you? I ask you again. What does it mean? You're focused on, I don't care, do the Christmas. That does, do the presents, do the trips, great. You just make sure the main thing's the main thing. Let me just tell you that. Because one day, you do a little too much focus on that other thing, your kids are going to go, I need to, I need to check into this, G, this God thing. What's real and what, what ain't real? I'm going to check into this God thing. I'm just hitting around the bush there for you parents. Make sure. Make sure the main thing's the main thing. Because you'll find a child one day. I don't know, God, uh, I want to check into a few more of these other things. 
you've been taught about. Make sure the main thing is the main thing. What is that? This is Jesus Christ's birth. It's wonderful that we celebrate these other things. It's wonderful that we have a tree. It's wonderful we do this at our house because that little nativity scene in the front. See, that's the main thing. What is it? Birth of Jesus. What a great way to have the conversations with your children about Christmas and what it is, what it means. The main thing is what happened in that manger, in that stable so long ago. What it means is the hope of Christ, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, the joy of the Lord, and the love that this very morning would be completely impossible had Jesus not come. Third and final thing I want to share with you this morning, this, there will never be real hope in anything other than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, you heard what I said. I said, there'll never be real hope. You can have hope in things. I, I hope tomorrow's good. I hope I have a good day. I hope I go home and in the, the mailbox is a million-dollar check. Good luck, right? You can still hope. But what about a real hope? What is a real hope? A real hope is one that when you place your trust in it, it is assured. It's not something that is a possibility. It's something that's an absolute. And that the reason this morning that I love Advent is because I'm pointing to you a hope that's real, a hope that's living, a hope that's lasting, a hope that's eternal, and a hope that will never disappoint you. Seeing their faith, Jesus tells the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Instantaneously, the man was healed. Could you imagine being bound to a bed, completely unable to move, completely reliant on everyone for everything, hopeless. And in a moment's notice, you go from hopelessness to complete living hope, being realized, being able to get up and walk. Do you realize this morning, we are spiritual paralytics. Church, when you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, before we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are spiritually paralyzed. We have no ability to see spiritually, Bible says we are dead in our trespasses and transgressions. What does that mean? That means we are lost and without hope. Think about now. That divine encounter that this man had with Jesus. Think about what Jesus means to us. The same thing. Your sins are forgiven. Four words changed my life, what has it done to you? What does Christmas mean to you? What does the Advent season mean to you? I ask you that again. I want you to focus on it this month, please. And all that you can do, focus on that. This, what does this mean to you? 
Does this draw you to a greater desire to dwell in his presence? Does this month overwhelm you with the person and work of Christ, the Christ child? What does Jesus mean to you? Without the birth, church, we have nothing. Most importantly, without his death, we have nothing. By the way, all this stuff will never satisfy you unless Christ is at the the center and the supreme focus of your Advent season. Matter of fact, I was listening to, uh, on the way back from my parents, put on Christmas, put on Christmas music. And I actually was commenting to the ones in the car, I said, you know, it's so unreal how people will say, you know, I I didn't know, I, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. Let me just tell you something. If you live through one Christmas season, you will not be able to say that. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Amen. And I listened to each one, and even on um, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, Joy to the world, Clark Griswold sings it. Think about it. The millions of people who've watched that would be able to say, Oh, I didn't know there's no God. What are you talking about? I mean, here, Clark Griswold singing it in the car with his kids headed to go get their Christmas tree. The heavens declare the glory of the earth, the work of his hands. This morning, what does Christ mean to you? What does the Advent season mean to you? If you're the person at your home who has the ability to focus the affections of your home and the people in your home, what are you gonna do this Christmas season? Are going to squander the opportunity because, well, I'm not that kind of guy. It's a little awkward. Maybe it's the reason you're not having devotions with your family right now because, you know, it just makes me feel weird. Well, I don't care. Imagine one of your children dying lost and without hope because you feel weird. Please, pray with your family. Have devotions with your family because it does matter. They matter. Dads, you carry the full weight of your family on your shoulders as the spiritual leader of the home, or you at least should, because that's what Scripture says. Shake off the awkwardness, pull out the Bible and say, kids, let's do something awesome. Let me share with you from the person that made all of us, that entrusted you to me For the time that he's allowed, the God of creation, let me talk to you about what he means to us. Start reading your Proverbs. Get in the scripture and read the Christmas story in Luke. Read it. Read it. Read it in a version that will understand. Please. There's nothing wrong with that. Please, read it to them in a version that will understand. Because there's awesome hope in that. You know what the hope is? The hope is that you have a hope that when you train up a child in the way they should go, when they're old, they won't depart from it. They may go out there for a while. They may be out left field for a while. But what do you have? The hope of God's promises. You have the hope like the prodigal son's father had. So much so that he, when... The young man began heading home. The father was looking down the road and saw him 
when he was what? A long way off. Are you trusting in that hope? I know many of you are. As you come down here week in and week out on Sundays, you're showing me that you have the hope. That you have the hope of God and you're resting in the promises of God. And you're getting together and it's so neat as God is sharing the little things I hear out of you as you share how God has these little neat things that have occurred in these lives of some of these family members. And you get excited about it because you're seeing God answer prayer. Isn't that interesting how we get so blown away when God does what he promises to do? Isn't that wild? It's so wild that God does something awesome and we want to go, man, you'll never believe it. I will. Because God is good and he's faithful. And he does in Ephesians 3.20, in real life, exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Does that mean that last year my prayers weren't good enough or maybe I didn't have enough faith and when something happened in our family that was way outside of my understanding and, and ability to comprehend now. Church, God's still good, and he's still faithful. Though I don't understand why God and allows what he allows, he's still faithful. And I will still trust him because he is the only hope for all mankind. He's the only hope in eternity past, present, and he's the only hope for all eternity future. And I hope you're resting in him. Because I promise you, if you're not, if you ever get a phone call like I got, you will be destroyed. Because without the peace of God, the presence of God, and the strength of God, I assure you, it would have destroyed us. But I'm so thankful this morning as I look a year later at what that wreath represents, and I still believe it 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because God is ever faithful. And what God's done for me, he will do for you. Does 2023 mark compromise and apathy and indifference? It doesn't have to. You can finish 2023 spiritually stronger than you ever imagined, comprehended. Well, how do you do that? You do that by recognizing that you've been spiritually apathetic, you've been spiritually indifferent. Maybe you've been spiritually paralyzed this year from a series of circumstances or whatever it might be, and today you realize that spiritual life is where you want to be. How does that happen? It happens when you confess the sin of apathy and difference and being unconcerned and the, the spirit of that is heavy. It's a miserable place to be. And you can take on the person of God and the, the, the godly sorrow leads to repentance, right? Worldly sorrow, death. So the godly repentance will lead you to draw that line in the sand today and say, God, I have been apathetic. I I don't even know what I've been, God, but it's not been what you've called me and created me to be. And Lord, today, I repent of that. God, fill me with your power, your presence. Cleanse me, wash me whiter than snow. You might even want to read Psalm 51 and pray that. Lord, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Renew a right spirit in me, Lord. Like King David prayed after the prophet Nathan had come to him in Psalm 51. And I want to encourage you wherever you are, you can keep trying to find happiness through all these imitations, these false advertising, these distractions that the world gives. You can bypass all that this morning and go for the real thing. And that's only found in what we're studying, we're representing, and what the Advent season means as Jesus Christ. There is no hope for mankind in anything, anyone else in all of time, history, and creation than the 
Lord, the Savior, thee, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let's pray. Father, thank you, God, this morning for this privilege we have to be. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin, Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you want to live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.